Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. What is going on, everyone? And welcome into the Pickaxe Podcast. Once again, I am Zach Mikosh. Uh, I am joined today with two other co-hosts from DenverStiffs.com. That is Gordon Gross. Gordon, what's going on, man? Not much. Just, you know, snowed in here in Colorado Springs again. Yeah. Apparently, every time we have a, a podcast, I got to get snow. So. <laughs> you know, it's I, I just thought it was thinking about it the other day. This, um, this crazy moisture comes in every time on the NFL draft. I was remembering two years ago. Uh, driving around, listening to the draft on my radio, and it was that was when it was like it dumped rain for like five days straight. So, I think that's just what it is. It just turned out to be a little bit colder this time around. Uh, well, and it's also Denver's way of keeping the uh, the outsiders from understanding that Denver's three hundred days of sun. They got to make sure you know. Look, we got to put snow out there. They're gonna televise Denver today. <laughs> quick, stand out there in a hat and some like winter jackets. We don't want them to know it's exactly, like. exactly. And nobody understands it'll be like sixty-five tomorrow and sunny out. Um, right. Joining us, joining us from from nowhere near the snowstorm, all, all the way over there in South Carolina, is Mr. Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, how is the weather down in uh, down on the Atlantic coast? Well, right now I'm looking at sunny skies, completely blue. Uh, just there's a little poof of cloud up there, but uh, I do have a story about being in the middle of the NFL draft and being in the rain and snow of Colorado. I was actually at a baseball tournament and uh, during in between innings, my mom was running out information to me about who the Broncos were drafting. And I remember it was no Sean Moreno, the first pick of the Josh McDaniels era. That was that selection. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying. It's it's hard for me to remember, but I remember maybe it wasn't the Moreno pick. Maybe it was Robert Ayers, which I think was Brian well, Arakpo was was still there. But I remember that draft. It was um, yeah, it was it was one of the ones that was not not uh, <laughs> yeah. I, just I, the I beginning of a too. long right. It was the beginning of a a, a long line of poor decisions from uh, good, yeah. old, good old Joshy. Well. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm pretty excited about today's podcast because we, um, you know, the the Nugget season is over. It's been over for a while. We've done the recap podcast. At this point, we're kind of uh, there's 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 not a lot of Nugget stuff going on to discuss. There is a little bit, and we're definitely going to get into some stuff um, in the second half of the show. We'll talk a little bit about Jamal Murray. Also, um, Tim Connolly had a had an hour long interview on Altitude Sports. We thought he said uh, said some pretty interesting stuff. We'll talk about that, but. 
Today's podcast is just gonna be a little bit different because we're gonna we're gonna do uh, we're gonna cover some of the playoffs going on. Of course, the first round is pretty much all but wrapped up. There's only one uh, one game left in that. But I, I wanted to start today's podcast talking about something that's a little bit a little bit different. I, it's related, but you know, it's not um, not necessarily basketball or or Nuggets centric. And that's we want to talk about what's going on over at ESPN. Um, with with the numerous uh, amount of people that are getting are getting laid off, you know, we had that initial that initial round of layoffs where it happened that one day, and you thought, okay, that was going to be it. And then as the week has progressed, more and more people are um, announcing that they've been let go. And and it's just a, it's an interesting topic, I think, for us to discuss because all three of us work on this um, on this site, and and it's one of the sort of new age SB Nation. Um, is one of the kind of the new age media, if you will, for for sports coverage. And and it's ESPN is is kind of the old guard, the uh, but really was the the standard for so long. And now they're kind of going through the shift. And I think it's just a really interesting discussion. So that's that's really what we're going to spend a bit of time talking about um, here to start off. And I, and Gordon, I want to get your opinion first. Um, well, just just your opinion on, on, on kind of what's happening. Um, if you think this is is this like a sign that maybe maybe ESPN is um, into into drastic change? I mean, is it? I we won't talk too much hyperbole, but is it like the you know the beginning of the end um, for them? Uh, I think that they are punting on actual reporting. Uh, which I think is a strange thing to do for right. the quote unquote worldwide leader. I mean, they're they've basically chosen to uh, keep the aggressive, yelling, talking heads. Um, they're adding Woj eventually, which is strange, since they just cut everyone else. Um, but it's I don't think ESPN really understands uh, how to work media in the 21st century. They're talking about using their guys for. Uh, more cross-platform is what they said they wanted to do, uh, which just basically means making a guy do three times as much work for the same salary. Right. That, that's what that means. Um, but they fired all the guys that made ESPN.com worth visiting. Like, those were all of the guys who did all that article work that are gone now. Um, so it's – I don't think they understand where they're going with their cable empire. I don't think they understand how to cut a cord. I'm not sure that they understand how to properly monetize sports, which is weird because sports should be the most easily monetizable uh, commodity in the 21st century because it's the only thing you can guarantee people are watching ads on. Right. Because people watch sports live. You know, if you're uh, because you were willing to watch sports live and you're willing to sit do commercials, advertisers can actually get their product seen, which isn't true of online ads necessarily, and isn't true of uh, really, most ads on scripted shows. Right. I mean, it's really not. It's really not true of anything except for something that requires um, watching it in real time to get the information. Which nowadays there's there's not too much left. As far as as far as cable networks are concerned, um, for them uh, for them to capture that way. In fact, you know, sports networks and regional sports networks specifically, things like Altitude TV, um, that's that's kind of a stronghold 
for for the cable companies these days is because that's really what they can continue to get people to buy their packages for because it's it's the only thing um, that like I said it's the only way you can get it in real time it, it's just a, to me it's just such an interesting topic to discuss because because a lot of it what, like I was saying is what we do ourselves and that um, I think I think SB Nation specifically is is on more of the cutting edge sort of coverage uh, that ESPN really hasn't discovered because you're right they've kind of doubled down on this uh, this philosophy of we're gonna we're gonna go with the hot take and and it's you know that's why the Stephen A. Smiths the Max Kellermans that's that's their banner show now is that um, what, what do they call it first take go ahead but even right but even more than that they they've gone away from um regional coverage they've killed their regional uh beat writers they ditched all of the guys that go to i mean that's what mark cuban was bitching about with um the dallas mavericks earlier was that they took their their beat writer off of dallas and basically gave it to ap reporting um and so whereas sb nation goes very very seriously for every local market espn has gone the other route and has said we only want national items and we only want to yell at each other on a surface level. We don't want to report anything in-depth mm-hmm. on any of your teams out there, mm-hmm. but you should still watch us. So the only thing they're going to be able to give people is actual yep. access to games, which is what they paid all the rights for, which is why they can't afford yeah. to keep their reporters. It's really think, a strange situation. Uh, Ryan, I want to get your opinion um, on this conversation and because – you're, you're, I think for, for me, and, and Gordon, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think me and you would both say that, that what we do for Denver Stiffs um, and, and our involvement in, I guess if you want to call it sports journalism or blogging or whatever it is, is, is strictly a hobby for us. I don't think either one of us is, is making long-term plans based off of what we do with the Denver Stiffs Um about about changing changing our careers, right? right yeah, no. But th- Ryan, you're 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 a younger guy. You're still kind of in the um, in the time period of your life where you you can be chasing jobs, and and, and it's something I know that um, at least maybe not maybe not completely sports journalism, but that that kind of um, industry is is what you've got your eyes targeted on. So when you see something like this happen uh, with, like I said, what has been the banner network for for our industry. How does it? How does it change your viewpoint, or or what do you think you look at now and say, okay, here's how I'm gonna have to change to be just for your own personal success. How do you be successful in this industry? Well, it's it's really interesting, and I'll tell you that my initial reaction on Wednesday was one of, well, I'll I'll just say it's sheer right. horror, uh, because looking at all of the successful people that. ESPN just said sayonara to you've got some of the great names that and especially guys that have evolved from uh, the comings up like me like Ethan Strauss and uh, it's it's really difficult to figure out what exactly an, an organization like that is searching for because as as somebody like me I'm looking to put out as as strong of content and analysis as I can. I feel like that's my way into the industry by showing them how dedicated I am from a young age and continuing to get as much experience uh, doing the things that I love to do, but also with an eye of 
for the future and for potentially being involved in the sport industry. Well, now you're talking about the banner network. You're talking about the the most visible network. It, it's very, very interesting trying to figure out what the next step is for a team like that and for a for a for a group of people as strong as espn has hired it's it's a little bit scary i will say that it's not it's not surprising uh given that they're they're moving towards woge they're moving towards the hot takes and stuff like that but i i think that the regional networks as as gordon you touched on that is the the small markets and the mid-market teams fighting back against a giant like ESPN and saying, no, we are going to be covered, we are going to have a voice, and we are going to give our audience what they deserve, and that's thoughtful entertainment and analysis on the team that they enjoy to follow. And ESPN had failed in that in recent years. I mean, how many how many times have you seen a Denver Nuggets game on TV anymore? And they don't necessarily put out the the general following that a uh, that a Golden State does or a Cleveland does. But it's it leads me to not want to watch their yeah. network anymore. It's it's very difficult. I'll I'll turn it over to you now. But for for me personally, it's scary, but not necessarily. Yeah, no. What, what I wanted to just comment on what you were saying there is, is you're right. I mean, in, in Lake Gordon was talking about too. They they focus on. Um, I mean, they focus on certain markets where I mean that are major population centers. So I've always somewhat understood why the Nuggets specifically don't get in depth coverage because there's honestly not a lot of people in Denver in general comparison um, to some of the markets that they they really are uh, that they really target. And also because the Denver Nuggets specifically um, have an even smaller following just within with our own local market. I mean, we can't even um, we can't even get out of the bottom of the attendance right now. So I get that. I get that right. just specifically from a Nuggets viewpoint. But what I think is is interesting. Well, hang on. I would say that that that's true. But if you look at Denver Stiffs readership and page views versus other teams they oh, yeah, are no, we are not 30th we're we are not 20th so those are uh, there's a market there it's just that espn has always chosen to go with the easy road um the well the, yeah the easy road that they they don't have to figure out how to monetize all of the quote-unquote little people they just have to you know, you hit up Chicago, New York, and L.A., you Miami, know, maybe some yeah, Texas, exactly. and you're good to go. Like, you don't, you don't need yeah, everybody and, else. Yeah, and that's and, – because that's the thing, right? Because even if even if Denver um, – even if, like, Denver stiffs, you know, and, and we are, I, I can't we'd, – we'd have to ask – we'd have to ask Adam. He would know. But I, we're definitely right in the, in the upper half of as far as, as far as terms of page views across the SB Nation network for basketball teams. Um, some of that is is some some of those blogs aren't aren't affiliated with SB Nation for certain teams that are the ones that capture the following or the fan base. Some of it also though what I think ESPN looks at is we can be where wherever we are you know eleventh or so in, in views and and we can have so many but it still is dwarfed in comparison to those top threes those New Yorks those Los Angeleses Chicago's like we've been talking about where there's just you know like we might get thirty thousand views in a day. A uh, silver screen and roll in Los Angeles, where, where the Lakers are terrible. Um, I'm sure their views are always in the six figures, so it's not you know, 
you know what I'm saying? They, they, they're trying to just get this biggest slices of the oh, pie. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I'm curious to see what's going to happen going forward. Like, if ESPN is only going to focus on five or six main markets at a surface level, then they have no extra reporting. They are not going to – and, I mean, I, they may do all of that. They may just be hiring a bunch of Ryans to go ahead right. and do it, well, and they're going to pay hey. anything. And let's you know, let's, let's be, be I mean, plan. full disclosure. One of the reasons that SB Nation is so successful, um, and or has found success with their platform, is because they, uh, for the vast majority of the people producing the content for them, aren't, aren't getting paid to do it. They we're all doing it. Um, just like I said, I mean, it's a hobby for us. That's 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 kind of the focus that they've made. In fact, even the people who do get paid by SB Nation um, to produce content for for these sites, yeah, they, exactly. It's, it's not like little. anybody. Um, anybody is quitting their jobs, their day jobs, to go work for these this company um, full time, save for the people who are way up high in the. Uh, well, and that's the question. The company. Right, the guys right. who are yeah, the national everything. guys, the national guys. But exactly. But my question there is, who is closer to figuring out how to monetize the new media? Is it going to be um, SB Nation style, or is it going to be ESPN style? You know, ESPN makes all their money off the fact that they can actually televise um, I, so, games. You know, and that's uh, and they have ad revenue, and they and they made it off of subscribers. Like they made sixty percent of their money off of subscribers. I have a theory so the on this, and it's going to take uh, yeah, it'll take long time to develop because mainly because cable companies um, have such a stronghold on, like we were talking about before, on these regional sports networks. But but similar to I think what you're starting to see with. Um, premium networks like like HBO uh, where you could now just absent of any cable package you could just buy a streaming package direct from HBO and and get that I think you're eventually going to right. start to see that you'll actually be able to buy streaming packages um, direct from the Denver Nuggets and that's how this this eventually is going to evolve with these live sports packages it'll be the teams themselves who are actually selling um, the broadcast packages. And for a team like Den the Nuggets right now, I mean, how easy would it be? They already own the TV studio that's producing it. You know, so all they'd have to... Uh, really, the only thing they have to do is they right now are... There's obviously yep. a contract um, between them and and the, the, the cable providers, which gives them the rights to the content, just like ESPN has the rights uh, to pay billions of dollars for rights. To, to the national NBA broadcasts. When those, I think though, when those contracts start to run out, you're just going to start to see the, the teams kind of just go direct to the end users. That's my theory on it, um, at least. And then that's that's how you end up making money on this. Now, how do how we make money on covering it? Um, that's a little bit more tough because the, the 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 part about that, the hole in that theme, is anybody who covers the team. Um, who's working for the team's network that's being sold directly to an end user uh, is clearly not a unbiased source, uh, which which there's obviously that. <laughs> no, are you bagging no, on Dempsey? Dempsey? Now Dempsey, Dempsey's kind of funny. I've had we have, I've had some some chats with Dempsey since he made his move to altitude. He he maintains that he will uh, he will of course always be a fair and objective source, but we'll see. We like to give him some crap about it. Um. Well, and I like that he. I like that he's at least an actual newspaper man who moved the track instead of them just promoting some other person to be their PR right. article right. writer. 
Yeah, right, they got the best exactly, and they found they they had yeah. the guy. It was just it's very interesting on that. This is, we're getting a little sidebar here, but it's just very interesting because they they just took the guy who who had all the inside sources, anyways. Um, yeah, and just just rolled them right up into being a company man. So, uh, which which is smart. It's actually a smart move from a PR sense. Uh, but I want to get back to this ESPN thing because I wanted to, I want to cover one or talk one little bit more. On, on what we were talking about, like about how they 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 the format that they've decided to go with, and, and why it's so baffling to me because they decided to go with like we said the, the big the big talking heads, the loud mouths, the Stephen A. Smiths, um, which to me that is it is a, a strategy that's based off of hot takes, right? Off of clickbait. That's essentially what that is. And what we've what we've right. really found, or what we're really finding in this industry now. Um, speaking about monetizing it, is that the the business model of chasing revenue per clicks is really failing. It's really not going to produce enough revenue to justify these high salaries that they're paying. I mean, it's a lot of the reason behind what they did behind these layoffs. But it seems like they're almost doubling down on that strategy. And it was something Matt Moore said on a podcast. Uh, and Matt's Matt's a really interesting guy in this whole. He would be great to to just hear his opinion on this whole thing as well, because he's a guy who came from a blogging background and now writes for a major uh, a major network. But something he said on a podcast I was listening uh, it was talking about about how to be successful blogging, um, and and his his comment was that it's no longer really the important part about being first. Uh, or and, and having um, the most, or having the most outrageous take, it's really about being right, and it's really about providing somebody with something that's insightful and and is something that they haven't thought about before, or or a new a new concept that they hadn't considered before, and then on top of that, being able to back up what your statement is with video analysis, with statistical analysis. It's, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's one of the reasons why, why Adam Mares for Denver Stiffs is, is the guy running our site and, and is, I think in all of our opinions, we would say is, is the most talented writer on the site is because that's, that's what he provides. And that's why, why I think he has such a good response to, to his articles um, is because you, you're getting a, a, an education on on the the topic that he's discussing and and ESPN seems in so many ways to be going away from this and I, I don't I guess just to kind of wrap up and bring it back full circle we were kind of talking about is this kind of the the beginning of the end for them and I think and we were also talking about Gordon you were saying I wonder it's going to be curious to see what's next I think that it's potentially going to be the end of this network I really do because I think they've misread this entirely I think they are doubling down on that sort of we're going to get you with the shock value and and chase the again continue to chase this revenue um driven by how many times someone clicks on their website or how many eyeballs are watching their 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 tv stations that are tied to cable networks um and i don't see it going that way i really don't i think it's going to go the way of you're going to find this is i really believe it's going to become a um more of a, a hobby-driven industry where where there will always be we what we what we found uh, what we found on our on our own very own site is there are people out there who are willing to do this for little to no pay who are very very talented and that's the yep. key and what now we're also finding is these big networks like ESPN aren't covering 
a team like the Denver Nuggets. They're not at the the Denver Nuggets practices and shoot-arounds and, or even the games every single day. Exactly, exactly. It's really and, the access. And yeah, so it's really the access that we're, changes it. We're very lucky at, at Denver Stiffs because the Nuggets PR team, specifically Tim Gelt, the, uh, the director of their, their public relations, who's a great guy, he's recognized that we are the ones willing to cover this team. We are the ones putting in the work. And so he's giving us the access and the ability to go to the games, go to the locker rooms, go to the practices, talk to these guys, um, and, and, and figure out you know really what's what's going on with the team and, and what what's makes them tick. And I think that's what makes us so successful. And it's, it's very interesting to see ESPN go away from this. Ryan, I guess just what are your thoughts on, on that specifically? If you wanted to wrap it up, like, do you think, um, do you think this, this is a, a big blunder by ESPN or, or do you think kind of what Gordon was talking about? Maybe they're going to start to look towards guys like you, young guys who would be willing to do this. Um, maybe for for a lot less money than what they're paying some of these other people. Well, I will say that the probably the main reason why I visit ESPN these days is to tab through the RPM metric that they have for for each of their NBA players, and that's that's <laughs> yeah. probably like I, I'm trying to think of any reason why I would go and visit ESPN for a Nuggets related piece of information. I, I go read low. I yeah. mean, you know, if you're going to go read anybody, sure. you read the best. But how long is the best going to still be there? Right, we'll we'll see. We'll see what Zach Lowe ends up doing. And I know I know that they just hired it on uh, within I think the last year or so. But uh, it's it's really interesting to try and uh, to try and figure out what some of these main analytical people that still remain at ESPN are going to do and how they're going to evolve within their job. I think that ESPN as we have known it for the past few years is certainly dying. I don't know what's going to come up and take its place. I I assume that as you guys have said we're going to go see the hot takes and we're going to see the just the viewing of the games because I mean what what else is there to to go see that we can't already see in any place else. And as you said, I will continue to work and I will continue to be available for networks that are willing to at least pay a small amount of money because what what I do and what I what I know that I mean even people that have hobbies do is they are willing to go to the lengths as you've said the ESPN won't and it's it's we're so thankful for Tim Gelton and for the Denver Nuggets organization to recognize who provides the best Nuggets coverage because it certainly isn't ESPN right. anymore that is certainly evolving and we're going to continue to push the envelope on this and i really really hope that that ends up strongly successful for our group at Denver Stiffs but also for everybody at SB Nation and even for other companies like BSN Denver. And the, those are the places that are really right. putting in the work. And I think that eventually right. they will that's, be rewarded. And that's really the hope there too. And you're 100% right. It is not only just us, but these guys like uh, the guys over at BSN Denver, the, the guys over at Mile High Sports, um, uh, Chris, Christian Clark, right. who writes right, right, for, right. for Denverite, which is just a tiny little um, kind of a Denver-based Media coverage, yeah, he's, he's that guy's that guy's out. a machine. Like, I mean, yeah. he's always there covering the team. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you really hope those guys are rewarded. I do want to bring up uh, just just touch on real quick what you were saying there. You are at Ryan Blackburn nine, and so anybody who listens to this podcast, he is available. 
uh, for podcasting or other media adventures. <laughs> <laughs> One more time at Ryan Black. Oh, I would love it. All right, guys, tell you what, let's uh, let's go ahead and shift it. We'll go. We'll go. It was it was really good good discussion on that and i think it's a really important topic and it's really interesting just because of we like i said we are we're, we're somewhat involved um or we're, we're somewhat like pseudo media members ourselves um but let's let's go ahead and we'll shift over we'll, we'll let's get a little discussion going on the playoffs because i think there's some interesting stuff going on there um the first round we're recording this on saturday so the first round is all but wrapped up we just have the one last the one we only got one game seven um out of the first round this year, that'll be the the Clippers and the Jazz. Who do they play tonight, or the I think they play tomorrow night, right? Yeah, there's there's no yeah, game that's today. Right. I, was, yeah. I was really disappointed yeah. by that actually. They played last. They night, play yeah. tomorrow, three uh, thirty Eastern. Yeah, so that'll be the one the one game seven. Then we'll get into round two. So let's talk a little bit about that game seven. It's a, it's kind of a it's funny because I think I think the Jazz and the Clippers are. It's like it's one of those series like you really are just kind of like yeah whatever. I mean we're these these two teams are just playing for the right to get beat by the Warriors in the second round. So it's you love um, it, all right, Ryan. So let me. I, I think the Jazz. Let, yeah, let uh, me get your thoughts. What your thoughts on it? Yeah, wait us off, Ryan. Well, I think it's really interesting because you have both of these teams, and as you said, they're they're kind of the second tier teams in the Western Conference. They're both the four and the five seed, and as you said, they're gonna have the right to be either swept or in five games destroyed by the Golden State Warriors. Right. But what you see in these teams is certainly implications for not just this year, but for years years in the future you have chris paul blake griffin and jj reddick who could potentially opt out and go into explore free agency on the clipper side and on the jazz side you have gordon hayward george hill and joe ingles three starters and incredibly talented players on that team so it almost feels to me like the loser of that game could potentially see some sweeping changes because i mean if they can't even move on to see the second round then imagine what the clippers are going to do what are they going to do with chris paul and blake griffin and you know that the boston celtics are calling for gordon hayward and i i sure (laughs) would love it if the the nuggets targeted a guy like george hill or joe ingles for that matter heck yeah heck yeah (laughs) ingles for life but uh no they are there's a lot of talent on both teams, and both teams, if they if they lose, even if they win, could potentially see some sweeping changes over the course of the next few years. So I, I'm really interested in seeing that. I've enjoyed watching both teams and seeing what makes them tick. Chris Paul is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has not lost. He best. has not lost a step yeah. at all. That man is a machine. Yep. He's uh, Chris Paul. It, it's a very interesting discussion, and, and someone I saw it kind of got people throwing it around on Twitter, and they were uh, saying, "Hey, um, Chris Paul is one of the two greatest point guards of all time." Um, and then I saw someone else say, "I'd be much more willing to entertain the argument that he's the best of all time than I would that he's not one of the two best." And, and it's an interesting discussion because the first two guys have come to mind um, right off the bat for me are Magic Johnson and John Stockton. And then, of course, you have Isaiah Thomas in there as well. Uh, before then, you can go you can go all the way back into the really the old school stuff. But um, statistically, statistically, when you when I went and looked at it, and I compared Chris Paul to all kinds of different point guards, um, it, yeah, he's he he is a very very good argument to to make there that he's a top two point guard. Uh, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What does John Stockton do that Chris Paul hasn't already proven that he can do at a high level? No, there's. 
there's really nothing that yeah make well yeah exactly make the finals um in back to back years the uh, well he didn't here's win. the here's the thing well yeah he <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys though who ran into ran into Jordan and, and didn't win <laughs> um, but uh, here's the thing Carl Carl LeBron, Malone Jordan, is thing. Carl Malone is ten times better uh, than Blake Griffin and that's a huge difference. Um, that that Chris Paul does not have the advantage that John Stockton did is I mean he did not have a guy you could throw the ball yeah John right. Stockton a t- like a ton of John Stockton's assists came simply from throwing the ball into the post into Carl Malone and him being able to just do a turnaround jumper and um, and, and knock it in because um, he would he'd hit that little turnaround uh, fadeaway in the post uh, I mean automatic. I'm not really sure if I'm if I'm listening to you slander John. No, Stockton but John Stockton is John Stockton is. Don't get me wrong. He's but, one. Like uh, I no, said, no, he's no. I mean, when I think top greatest point guards of all time. He's um, he's definitely one of the guys. He's he's right there. He's top top three for me without a doubt. Um, well, that's the thing about that's the thing about Chris Paul is I I think he's incredibly talented. I think it's really weird that he can't get any further than he has. In his career, because yeah, exactly. He keeps running into these, um, these warriors and these um, Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs. Lakers. There, there was Lakers. a there was a small window like, to you make know, the finals. I think when LeBron was on the Heat, um, I don't think they would the the Clippers would have been able to beat the Heat in the finals though. Well, that was his his problem is has always been that he gets less respect because he's been on bad teams and they can't figure out why right. he can't get them to greatness yeah. but those teams are nothing without Chris Paul Chris Paul is an unbelievably talented player um, and I just I feel bad for him that he seems to be having a career that's going to go somewhat like um, yeah but Gary, Gary got Payton's, a ring I guess Gary got a ring in the um, <laughs> yeah I know but yeah hey, but he was, I mean, no, I mean he was, a, he, was a, he was a those decent are... part of that Heat team if I remember when they um... Dwayne Wade shot way too many <laughs> free throws <laughs> <laughs> tell you what um, though, speaking way kind of about, about getting dis- disappointing in the playoffs and, and it might be and the answer to this question might be the Clippers that they lose that game 7 and one thing that you mentioned Ryan that I think is I think far more likely I think if Utah loses they, I think they still they try and re-sign Gordon Hayward um, I think they, they, they probably go after, right. still probably try and keep that core together and say, hey, some improvement, another year for Rudy Gobert. Uh, we'll add another, you know, we'll add a couple pieces here and there, but we'll still be, I think they would be more apt to re-up with the same team. If the Clippers lose, yeah, I think they could definitely, they could definitely basically tear that thing down uh, because, because they just don't seem to be able to get over the hump. So other than them, though, if they lose... Who would you guys say, Gordon, I'll ask you first, who would be your, your most disappointing team from the first round? That's really hard. Because we're going chalk, really know. It's, right? Well, yeah, It's who's disappointing? Like, well, the Bulls, yeah. like, blew a, a 2 nothing lead, but the Bulls were terrible. Well, and anyway. they lost Rondo, like, right? They lost Rondo. I think, I think the Bulls, me. that's a very different series. I think the Bulls win that series if Rondo doesn't break his thumb. Yeah, but I don't think crazy. they might not That's win a insane. game if Isaiah yeah. Thomas's sister doesn't yeah. die. Like, I mean, uh, that changed the whole... You're talking about changing the complexion of a series. Like, Isaiah Thomas isn't really here right now, and, you know, they still managed to sweep out the Bulls after that, you know, face plant to right. start the series. 
It's just it's very it's very hard to be disappointed in either of those teams, even though both of them would have reasons to be disappointed. Like I guess I would go with the Hawks, maybe. There's, yeah, that's the you team. Know, yeah, and they into, yeah, that's another team you can see the yeah, turnaround. Yeah, they they right? ran into John Wall. Right. Oh yeah. No, and that's their question is going to be what they do with that team because you saw how yeah. terrible they were without Millsap. So I don't know what you're going to do if you're thinking you don't resign Millsap. They almost right. traded him anyway twice this year, once to us in the off season and then again, once yeah. after that. Well, let me ask you, know, you this: your team was awful. Let me ask you this: yeah. what, what are they going to tear down about that team? Well, we know that they're going to keep Dwight yeah. Howard no matter what. Like he that. That contract is kind of locked in. I don't think anybody's trading right. for him. And to be fair, he also performed at a at a reasonably high level when he was when he was in the game. Dennis Schroeder has really proven to be a solid Schroeder's solid fine. piece in this. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, you've got Paul Millsap, who will probably opt out and explore free agency. If you just don't resign him, then I mean, yeah, what, what that's very true, really and I guess that, that's really what it comes down to right is, is do you or do you not re-sign Millsap? But as Gordon was saying, I mean, they were awful when he was injured. And I think if, you, if you're getting rid of Millsap, he's such a huge piece. He makes so much work. Uh, that's why that's why I want him on the Nuggets so, really so badly. Um, that I, <laughs> well, when you saw right. how they did without Horford, they dropped Horford, and, right. and with Millsap, they were okay. And without Millsap, they were they were replacement level awful. Now, it was just not good. I, I went into this on uh, on Twitter a couple of days ago, or, or yesterday. I can't remember. I think it was yesterday. Uh, you're talking about for Paul Millsap's contract. Either he's getting if if he does get a max deal, which is which would be insane. The Hawks would be giving him five years. Two hundred and five million dollars yeah. for a player that will be that. thirty-two yeah, years and old. You can't. Yeah, that, yeah, they cannot. They do cannot. That. And Millsap, even if they give him a disc, even if he, they give him a discount, it's like five years, one seventy. Five years, one eighty. Right. No, you you can't you can't give him the five. Like I would, I think he's gonna have trouble getting. He could get four. I would max him at three, but I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll take a little less than max at four. Because his max is so high because of his time in the league. Right. And on the, like, his max is ridiculous. On high. the flip side, if you're a team like the Denver Nuggets that is looking to uh, recruit a guy like Paul Millsap, what amount of money is it going to give? Is it going to amount to to recruit him? The max that they can give him is four years, $154 million. Is that oh, is that all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Poor guy. Now, now think about Mike Conley's contract this year. It was five years, $153 million, But that was over five. This is over four. Yep. This is That would be absurd. Like I, said, what think? I don't think he's going to max, and I don't think that they can max him. But without him, Atlanta's – I don't know what they're going to do. So uh, they're, they're really going to have that problem to solve is how much do we pay – for this guy who yeah. makes our whole team work. And there's also and, a question of whether the, he wants but, to come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's also the question of if he makes our whole team work, but we can't get is out of the first yeah, or second round, really what, what does that do? Right. Yeah, and I think that's that, that's the decision that they've got to make, basically. There. Right. And, and, and it, it me, to me, it's very simple. If I'm in Atlanta, I move on because he's 32 years old. Like you guys said, he's going to cost a ton of money. Um, I think if, if the Nuggets are trying to sign him, it's, it's not so much about the the dollar value as it is about the years. I don't think you want to sign Paul Millsap for more than three years. Um, right. And, and and that's going to be a. I would give him a. I would, yeah, exactly, I would give him three exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, like and that then would you're that kind would of, work for us perfectly. Kind of good to go um, from there. Maybe even you give him a two two plus one player option. Um, 
But it's right. uh, kind of kind of bringing it back here. Opted to thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and he very well might, but you, you never know. Do maybe. I or do I not? Well, you never know. At that point, he would be he would be what thirty four years old. Um, he could opt out and try and get try and get one. And more he's trying contract, to get his last contract. So, yeah. Um, that's okay. Okay. Kind of kind of bringing it back. I, the only other team I was going to think about as far as most most disappointing. Um, in the playoffs, and just disappointing because we, we're going to miss out on it. Is I, I, I'm disappointed that the Bucks um, couldn't get past the Raptors. I really, really was pulling for them to be able to do that, just because I. Yeah, but that they were disappointed. No, they were like, awesome. They were yeah, that's, but it, because I like, I really don't care about watching the Raptors get beat by Cleveland. Honestly, I, I, I don't see any. I don't see any way that, that, that they they're going to get over. Um, they're going to get over on on Cleveland at all. I think that that's another like probably maybe a five game. Um, series and it's done, or but I would have. Unless they have somebody on a grassy knoll somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. It'll but be over. but we could have had we could have had you know Giannis versus LeBron and and the whole and the Bucks versus Cavs, which probably also <laughs> maybe goes ends in five games. But that though that would have been some seriously exciting basketball to watch. So uh, I, I was disappointed about that one. Yeah, exactly. Next well, year, the, man. the Bucks Next are year. man. They're 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 that team. I think you see. Um, it's like back in 2013 uh, when the Warriors beat Warriors. the Nuggets, right? It was like, hey, th- that was their coming out part. I think you're starting yeah. to see yeah. that with the Bucks in the East. Like, they're the team that's going to make that next leap into becoming a team that's going to uh, going to be competing for for conference finals and trying to get into the finals year in and year out in the Eastern Conference. And with and with uh, Parker and Middleton, I mean, if those guys can right. both stay healthy. Yeah, they have a shot like that. They're because they have they have team. a stud player. They have That's a good team. They That's have really a player is. who, without a doubt, in my mind, can be a number one option on a championship team, which is very very hard to find. Right, um, and they've got one. So, uh, so let's look. So looking kind of looking forward, um, second round matchups now. Uh, Ryan, you first. Any any matchup you're you're particularly interested in? Oh, the Wizards yes. versus Celtics. Yes. Yes. That should be fun. Oh, it's going to be glorious, guys. Oh, that there there are so many so many different storylines for both teams. You have the John Wall versus Isaiah Thomas kind of star to star rivalry, but this these both of these teams have also had bad blood during the regular season. And it, it looks to translate. We haven't seen the Celtics really tested this year. I, I we talk about the Bulls, uh, ha! But uh, the Celt the yeah. Celtics against the Washington Wizards, who have in my mind a top three starting lineup in the NBA. Uh, they just have zero yeah. bench. So what we're going to see is we're going to see the Celtics probably be forced to play seven or eight guys. And the Washington Wizards potentially pushing them to six, maybe seven games. And but I, I'm really interested to see if they could beat them out because uh, they have the matchup. They have either John Wall or Bradley Beal who can go against Isaiah Thomas every single time. And that's not like Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade going against Isaiah Thomas every time. That is actually somebody who's competent at scoring now. So we will see what that turns into but i'm i'm really excited they're they're going to be i i can already imagine the amount of ejections that are going to happen in in one game <laughs> yeah you will you know what's really interesting about that matchup like you were saying is uh it's not Dwayne wade or jimmy butler um 
It is. It's not Rajon Rondo who was the like we were talking about before the kind of the X factor for the Bulls in that series. Now it's now you got John right. Wall, who is I think is one of the most underrated point guards in the yeah. NBA. Um, well, and exactly. coming into his own too this year, like he's he's really freaking monster. Yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. Well, and and it's gonna be fun watching. This is gonna be sound weird, but. Horford versus Gortat is going to be fun for <laughs> It's kind of like a little old man like, ball there. I, I totally I think it's, uh, Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, very, very 1997 <laughs> exactly. basketball at exactly. that point. It'll be fun. Um, you know, another one that, uh, that that at least I think will be will be fun will be uh, the the Spurs-Rockets um, series. It's specifically, I mean, you got the great matchup of you're going to get James Harden versus Kawhi Leonard. Um possibly the the best defender in the well not not even possibly the best wing defender in the NBA versus um guy who's probably the most effective or the most efficient scorer uh in the NBA I don't know somebody somebody some stat geek might might pop up in the comments there and tell me hey he's actually uh, fourth and true shooting percentage or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. They'll be like But um, I I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you guys probably uh yeah, it'll be Ryan. Uh, uh, Gordon, you got you got any interest in that um, in that series? Absolutely. I just i I want to see if the Spurs are going to have anybody left who's going to yeah. help out Kawhi. Really, like, um, I mean, because the, the Rockets, the Rockets are going to be out there, you know, just chucking up threes. Whether or not they make them, their game is shoot them and hopefully it goes in. You know, and if it doesn't, that's okay. We still spread the floor. So I'm really curious to see what the Spurs are going to do. They don't want people to beat them from the three-point line. Um, but I'm curious to know what they they plan to do um, offensively to keep up with Houston. Because the Spurs, their offense is really intermittent, man. Like, that's my concern. That was my concern against last year against the Thunder. And it kind of proved true that they, they just struggled right. that way. Um, that was my concern. Um, if they were going to play the Warriors is I don't think the Spurs can score with the Warriors. Um, and the Rockets can, the Rockets can put up buckets. So it's a matter of whether or not. And I said this even in the beginning of the the playoffs, I think the Rockets are kind of that dark horse team. If you're going to have one dark horse West conference team for making the, uh, making the finals, I thought it would be the, um, would be the Rockets because, because of just what you said, they've got that, they've got that ability to score, uh, yeah, well, they can just, just, they can just heat it up. Like it's just like the NCAA tournament, where for one game I can put in, you know, thirty-eight threes, and you know, mm-hmm. you'll lose. Um, if I get hot for over the course of a week, maybe I can steal two games. And suddenly, and, 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 pull this suddenly, thing out. and then when I get at home, I can just use home court advantage to push me over the top. Absolutely. All right, we'll tell you what, guys. We'll go ahead and take a break. Um, we will come back. We'll, we'll shift gears one more time. We'll get into some actual Nuggets talk. Like I said, we want to talk about Jamal Murray and his injury. Um, his sports hernia and the surgery, uh, getting getting that that went this weekend or this week, and uh, everything was sounds good. But we'll talk a little bit about that, and then also uh, Tim Connolly had a big long interview uh, with with Altitude, and um, we'll get into we'll get into a little bit of some of that stuff he he's talked about as well. So we'll be right back. We've all been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest. That's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. 
Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on. Or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, everyone. What is welcome or what is going on? Welcome back to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Nikosh with DenverStiffs.com, and I am joined today by Ryan Blackburn and Gordon Gross. We spent a lot of the, the show talking about uh, talking about journalism and and success in the media industry and all kinds of different topics. A little bit of playoffs. Now we will finally get to actually talking about Nuggets on our Nuggets podcast. It only took us about forty five minutes to get there, but. Hey, that's that's, <laughs> that's the beauty of podcasting. Um, so Jamal Murray, he had a sports hernia injury. That's that's kind of old news. Everybody knows about that, and um, he finally goes through surgery. Uh, I assume you know they didn't come out one hundred and say surgery for sports hernia, but that was that was essentially what he was doing. Um, do you guys think? Because for me, it does definitely. Now that I look back on it, because Jamal had some. I mean, he didn't have a bad rookie year at all, but. When you when you look at him and you get those flashes of what he can do, uh, you you have really high hopes for him. And in, in terms of him being coming, you know, a star player, he didn't re- really have a rookie season. Is statistically that would back that up. Um, but now I look at it and I understand. Okay, some of the times where he would struggle, perhaps it was injury related. Gordon, do you think um, now that you know kind of about the sports hernia injury, does it change your viewpoint on his season at all? Well, it makes me – I mean, I thought he was more athletic um, this year than I expected him to be. Um, Certainly, you know, one hand dunking around guys, you know, blowing off in the lane, jumping for blocks. Like he he has some springs that I didn't think that he had. Uh, and if any of that was limited by the sports hernia, then yeah, he's he's certainly got more to his game than I thought that he would have from an athletic standpoint. Um, I'm curious if it um, hurt him from the three-point line. Um, you know, I'm not sure form-wise, but if he can't get your legs all the way into it, then the times he would find that out would be from three. You know, if you're just arm shooting. Yeah. And so if that's the reason his three-point shot was a little off this year, well, you know, that that gives you plenty of hope for next year. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Well, I think 
the the injury that he has it to me it seems like it would affect a couple of things it's it's more of the the standstill and then suddenly move into motion kind of impact and if if he's uh if he's shooting if he's uh, we're hoping that now that he's hopefully having surgery and recovering from it that the the shooting should certainly improve uh what i'm looking for more specifically is when he's at a standstill and when he has the ball in his hands, what is he going to do? And how how fast is he going to be able to get from point A to point B now? If he can speed up, and if he's actually going to get faster than he was before, then I think that as a point guard, and maybe a point guard defender specifically, yeah, the defense he part, exactly increased his ceiling. He, his, his ceiling right. on, the, on both ends may increase drastically from what we've seen before. So the two things that I'm definitely looking for... Will his shooting percentages improve, and will his movement on both ends, like the initial burst, will that improve? Well, that way he's yeah, not having to fight I through. Mean, those are good points. Yeah, that way he's not having to fight through screen so much. You can actually get in front of a guy and stop him rather than having to chase him down. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So the, another th- another thing that came out though, kind of um, in the uh, in the discussion. Uh, about the surgery from Chris Dempsey was that uh, he it's kind of starting to look like it's maybe doubtful that he um, that he will make make it into um, summer league. Gordon, what are your thoughts? I mean, are you concerned about him getting into summer league? Nah. Are you? Nah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It, it's summer. It's summer league, man. It's... Like what what I care about is his ability to get in the gym. Like what the the delay in in him maybe not being ready by July means that he lost a lot of time where he could have been working on some things that he knew he needed to from, you know, his work this year, and he won't be able to be in the gym working on all of those exact things because he's recovering from surgery. But otherwise, like, I don't, I don't yeah. care about Summer League specifically. That's, that's, not, that's not an issue for me, and he'll still have, as long as he's healthy by training camp and can go through the whole thing, then at full speed, then I feel good. That's fine. Yeah, I'm definitely not yeah, worried about Summer League for him either. With, I, I just don't see him. I don't see him being as like super active in summer league, like a like an sure. Emmanuel Moutier or Gary Harris was in years past. I think it would be one game, maybe two. Yeah, exactly. That was gonna be my point too, as well as it's like, especially when you're in that you're in your second year. Now it's like, okay, here, yeah, we'll throw you out here for a couple games just because it's your second year player. You're still coming to summer league, right? Um, but we don't want you to get injured because we actually plan on playing you for the real season. So. Uh, just go ahead and go ahead and mail it in after that. That's generally how it goes. So yeah, to me it's like whatever. Don't don't even worry about it. Make sure you're going through your rehab and your your, your therapy and um, getting yourself 100 percent healthy. And like you were talking about, Gordon, that way you can get back into the gym and um, really start working on improving your game. Right. Uh, all right. So moving to moving forward here, kind of we'll go. This will be our last segment for this podcast. I want to talk about though. Tim Connolly was on Altitude Radio. Uh, I don't know, it's was, it was earlier in the week, um, but he was on there for a whole hour, so they really went over a whole a whole bunch of topics, and I thought a lot of it was really actually um, pretty pretty interesting statements that, that Tim was making, um, fairly fairly candid, in my opinion. Uh, More so than I expected, yeah. One, yeah, exactly yeah, right. Absolutely. It was, it, and which is one of the things that Tim, he's always a great interview, he, gets, he goes on a lot of times, Jeff Morton, 
um, with Denver Stiffs does the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, and, and he has a great relationship with Tim. And, and they go on. If you want to know even more about 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 Tim and his uh, his his Netflix preferences, that's the place <laughs> where you can hear about it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's always a great interview, and he, so he said a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. And and one of the things that he said that was really interesting is they asked him, you know, hey, looking back now, kind of after not making the playoffs, um, would you have maybe done something different as a trade deadline? And one of the things he says, you know, you, he said, I think. Essentially, the gist of what he was saying is that they would have, back at the trade deadline, um, probably moved some guys. If See, they, that they, they I don't, make I don't like hearing that, man. Like that's that's what kind of irritates me, actually. All right, go expand on that. I, you know that if you're making the playoffs, you're making it as the eight seed because you know how bad yeah. your team was to start the year. So if you know that you're just going to go and do what Portland just did and get in the playoffs and get demolished by Golden State then you don't hold off on changes for the future to make that happen. You make those changes happen now. So if you had a good deal, go get it done. Don't play around with this, but I need to you know, make sure that Wilson Chandler or whoever is on the team so I can maybe get to 40 wins and sneak into the playoffs. Because they don't say that we underperformed. They're saying we thought 40 wins would do it. That's what Connolly said. Mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so we got to 40, and it didn't do it, but we hit the mark. And if your mark was forty wins yeah. and getting eviscerated, I don't understand what the point of the playoffs was. You know, you could we could have yeah. done that without that. We could have come close without that. Uh, jeopardizing your ability to get laid out in order to not improve for the future is weird to me. That I don't I don't like that. And at that's all. that's a really good point you bring up. And I and I think to even expand on it further is also if you're going to make the playoffs and and get eviscerated, that's uh, you're right. There's there's no there's no benefit to that. For to Wilson Chandler, uh, to Danilo Gallinari, right. even to, to to Jameer Nelson, or even extent Kenneth Fareed. These guys already have playoff experience, so it's not like they don't know what it takes or, or what you know. Because there there is a certain a difference between regular season basketball and, and playoff basketball, specifically the intensity at which people play. Um, those guys know about it. They don't they don't need that experience. So there really is nothing to be gained. From just going out and getting their butts kicked by uh, by the Warriors. Whereas, hey, if we let Wilson go, we make a deal for him or, or, or Gallo or, or whoever it may be, so that a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez or Emmanuel Mudiay can get get playing time. And then, you know, if we end up missing the playoffs, so be it, because that's what ended up happening anyways. You now, granted, we had the benefit of hindsight on that, but so be it if they hadn't made the playoffs. Um, but if they had, then it is actually valuable experience, regardless of whether or not they they get swept or, or competitive in the series. It's valuable experience for those guys who haven't experienced it before just to see this is the level that people play at in the right, postseason. Exactly. It really is different. I mean, but the problem was if they made uh, it with all the with all the veterans there, then guys like Wancho still aren't getting minutes. So who cares? Like exactly. I said, if, if Wilson's going to get minutes yeah. in the playoffs and Gallo, you've frozen out Wancho, who's the guy who actually needs the experience of knowing what it's going to be like in the future. So it doesn't make any exactly. sense to me if you make it with Wancho in the lineup, if you trade Wilson Chandler, for instance, and you then have Wancho getting consistent minutes the entire way down the stretch, and you somehow make it into the playoffs, well, Wancho just grew from that experience you wanted him to have, and you've planned for the future by trading Wilson for an asset. But if you don't yep. do that, then you have frozen out Wancho, which almost happened except for the injuries, thank God, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then you still... <laughs> Didn't make you know? Uh, I don't understand it. It doesn't. The thought planning from that was we need to make the playoffs. Why I don't know. That 
Yeah. There's because I well I I have a guess which is yeah. probably because that's uh, not a Tim Connolly uh, motivation. That's that's a Josh. Yeah, Coffey I, and I, Stan yeah, it's, Kroenke a, it's a cash. It's a cash motivation because that's that's hey that's two games that's two games of of just pure basically pure revenue because you're not paying player salaries yep. for those two games. Well, you can also um, say that it's also. In, in, it's also like you know, quote unquote, making it easier for the for the Denver to fall back in love with the Nuggets. Exactly. You know, well, it we helps. The There's no doubt it helps. We made the playoffs. Yeah. Hey, if you, I guarantee you, if you beat the Warriors in one of those games in the <laughs> yeah. playoffs, that's probably the day you sell the most, or the next day is probably the day you sell the most season. Oh tickets yeah, no, it's a great, season. it's a great guarantee seller. Exactly. So I, I think that's that was the motivation behind that. Honestly, um, obviously Tim will never come out and say that, but. Uh, well, that's that that, be, that, that that's as important to me as uh, selling the Gobert pick for cash, man. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's how much I care about that. I'd rather have players than cash. You gotta help. You gotta win in this business. It's very true. It's very true, and that's the number way. If you want, if you're really concerned about putting butts in the seats, that's the number one way yep. to do it. Ryan, um, did you have any you have any guesses as to who who they would have moved at the at the deadline? Oh yeah, I mean we heard, we saw Woj's timeline and we saw all of the rumors that came out. He said that Daniel Gallinari and Wilson Chandler, the Nuggets had deals lined up for them if they wanted them, right. and so those those are the two. That's I mean they were they probably weren't going to get as much as like they they really would have liked for Kenneth Fareed, and so he maybe he was gone, but I. At, at this point, I doubt it. It had to be Daniel Gallinari or Wilson Chandler. And then you grab an asset for them, you insert Wancho into the lineup, and you play young for the rest of the year. And to me, that that was always clearly the 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 best option. Uh, now at this point, it's, it's all up to Gallinari whether he wants to come back in the offseason. And... Uh, and it's I, I just I don't get it. I'm with I'm with Gordon on this one. I would have loved to see Wancho play. I've done a lot of analysis on Wancho and why his shot selection is the best shot selection on the Nuggets, and because he does exactly what this team needs him to do. Uh, and if you can't find a a spot in the lineup for a guy like that, and will instead focus on adding the the isolation efforts and the poor poor shot attempts sometimes for both Gallinari and Chandler then this team is not going to have an upward trajectory yeah and you know the other interesting thing I just about watching you were saying about uh he has the best shot selection he also has the best shot I would say on the team yeah um, as well just just pure shooting motion and I can tell you that just from watching the guy Wancho is one of the guys who always comes out for warm-ups before games um, and I went to obviously went to a lot of games this year, and a lot of, spent a lot of time uh, doing those Facebook Live videos of the warmups. And uh, man, that guy is he, he's he's a he's a treat to watch shoot because he really is. Um, he Did really he is ever perfect. miss a shooting session? Did I? Uh, he I he probably missed one or two in there, I think. Um, but the thing about Wancho too, one one time I forget what game it is was the Warriors game actually. Now when I think about it, um, afterwards it was all everybody wanted to talk about because obviously he had a huge game. Uh, when they when they blew out the Warriors, but everybody all all they wanted to talk about was was how Wancho had done so well and how how he deserved it because that guy was always shooting the ball. And more than one player in the locker room after the game said to us, "Yeah, you know, you know," they're like, "I don't know, he might actually be up in the practice gym shooting right now." Yeah, um, I remember that. And that's that's what he does. It. And when when you asked him, he said, "Yeah," he said he said, "You know, that night he didn't because he played." So he was like, yeah, I just played the game, so I didn't have to, you know, I didn't really need to go up and shoot. But generally he was saying, you know, if he doesn't play in a game, um, 
he's going to go up and put up some shots afterwards and make sure he gets in, in his reps. That's the kind of dedication that guy has. So um, kudos to him for working so hard on it. But I, I'm with you guys as well. It's it's an interesting strategy. And like I said, I think it was probably financially motivated more than anything. Uh, another thing that Connolly mentioned, and, and we've been talking a lot about Wilson Chandler, who who we can talk a little bit about about what he said regarding regarding this this portion of the interview. Um, but Connolly said that it was talking about how, how the, the Nuggets have, had never had defined roles in his time period. And he felt like now possibly moving forward uh, this year that they finally will have defined roles and, and players will finally know, you know, kind of, kind of where they're supposed to be and everybody will, will, will hopefully fall in, uh, fall in line with that. Um, Ryan, what do you think if if you were going to talk? I mean, what 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 should these roles be? What do you think he's talking about going moving forward next year? Obviously, we know Nikola Jokic. The role is okay. He's the guy we, we've built the offense around. Um, but what are some of these other roles that the Nuggets, different Nuggets players, might be filling? Well, I think certainly for the past few years, the the lack of a star has been the the major thing that that this team has been the identity has been this team is without a star and they don't have the talent necessarily to right. co to uh be be okay with that. Uh Jokic, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. I know that's the easy one, but it could just be as easy as Connolly saying, Hey, we didn't have a star and now we do and everybody knows that Jokic is the guy and we will answer to him from now right. on. But as as you say, there are still supporting roles, and there are still guys that we don't we aren't necessarily sure whether they're in line with what's going on. And I I think we could we can talk about the Chandler thing. He he definitely he was he's not happy with how this season has gone for the Nuggets, and that's right, well, been pretty so he, clear. I mean, he made the comment right on Twitter. Somebody I think somebody tagged him. Uh, somebody quoted what Connolly had said. Something about players. Um, figuring out their roles and, and somebody tagged Wilson Chandler and, and he basically said, you know, FOH, you know, I never had a role um, was exactly what, what he tweeted. And then he since yeah. deleted the tweet. Um, um, so. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think that, I mean, it's, it's clear that he is angry with what's going on, but, and that, that goes both ways. I, I don't think that the communication between the front office and the coaching staff and the players has always been at the utmost, uh, on the important scale for the front office and the coaches in the past years. I, I think we're getting better with it. Uh, they, they are certainly learning to improve in that, but I think things are going to get a lot easier now. Uh, it's very clear that you follow behind Jokic, people who tailor their game to the way that Jokic plays, i.e. Gary Harris, i.e. Jamal Murray, are going to be, and I'll throw an IE, Juancho Hernan Gomez in there as well, uh, they are going to be the beneficiaries uh, of playing in that system and will play the most minutes. We have guys who would go outside the system and what was working offensively and, and even defensively and would kind of work within what was comfortable for them. And and too, too often that was, that was a negative thing. Uh, I, I can say specifically Gallinari, Chandler, and Barton were probably the most frequent offenders of the, hey, let's go back into ISO. Well, but the, the interesting thing to kind of talking about roles there in, in those three guys um, is, is, and especially Gallo and Chandler, is their time with the Nuggets 
that has been the system more or less. They mentioned they haven't had really ever since Gallo left, and then especially once Ty Lawson wasn't in the picture anymore. Um, they didn't have a system built to really exploit one player's talents in any way. So it was essentially, hey, kind of pass around the ball, and then eventually somebody's going to take the ball at the wing um, with about you know seven, eight seconds left on the clock, and then we'll go ISO. And they, they really did that for a long time. I mean, Gallo had actually had a very successful year last season doing that. He was very successful in getting to the free throw line specifically um, in those in those isolation takes that they that they would get for him. Whereas now, and I think this is probably what Connolly was getting at, is now you have this guy in Nikola Jokic who is a is a phenomenal player who on offense and and can score and you can run offense through him to get him looks and score. But not only that, he is also a, a an incredible passer and has incredible vision and basketball IQ to be able to run an offense as well, which is what gives them something. It's definitely not a, um, it's definitely not conventional. Uh, right. Well, but it's given them something that they can run. Right. But, and you've got to remember too, that Gallo and Chandler both came from the George Carl system of, we don't have an offense ever. Like that's, right. that was, that was <laughs> random what, basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what used to drive, you know, Iguodala insane was the idea that right. we don't call uh, I mean it showed Chauncey's saying too that we don't have plays right. that we don't run plays that we just sort of run around and then hopefully a play happens on the field or on the on the court and there's a lot of similarities in this year's offense too with kind of the the free flowing Jokic system well, it's got the right. ball to Jokic and cut but you, and, you would and hand you off would and think cut so but it's so because that one because there's actually a structure involved it starts with get the ball to Jokic um, it seemed that a lot of the older players had trouble with that, that they seemed to freeze him out at uh, odd times during the game. Jameer Nelson was the worst, like, offender early in the year, and then he got over it. Like, Jameer finally figured out how to play next to Jokic, and I'm not sure that guys right. like Chandler necessarily ever did. Gallo was okay. I was say, Gallo Wilson got was better. probably the worst at yeah, the yeah. end of the year. I think he and, yeah. ba- he and um, Barton were the worst at it, and that's because Barton's not used yeah. to play with them. Barton spent all of last year being the here's the ball go make something happen in ISO guy and and Barton's style that's just kind of how how Barton's style yeah, yeah. Player. I think Wilson's far more versatile and can do a lot more and, and probably can't figure out how to work with Jokic Barton I, I don't think would ever be a really good player to play next to Nicole Jokic but you could define that role for him as still as the bench scorer correct who, hey when we're going to make it work to the rotation, so when Jokic starts coming off the court, that's when we get Barton in, right. and then he kind of carries the offense, and then maybe that's when we go into a little more of this iso ball style, change it up a little bit, and we use his energy to give us that that burst. And that's definitely um, viable. Like that's definitely right. something that I can see them doing for the foreseeable Absolutely. future. Uh, but we'll we'll have to see what happens after next season when Barton's contract comes well, up. Well, that's a matter. There's of... just a lot of different. There's a lot of different things that could. So go we got to see what happens uh, if he even makes it to the season. The yeah, I was gonna say the at the draft, Barton may not <laughs> even be true. here in July. Yeah, exactly. Although uh, I found it interesting exactly. that Connolly referred to um, Barton as a member of the young core, and I thought he did the same with Plumley. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but he's he's on record yeah, as saying he wants true. to resign Plumley. He's not on record as saying he he has to keep Barton, but referring to Barton as part it's of the young core is either him. playing his cards right and making sure that Barton doesn't feel alienated. Or we may see Chandler go and Barton stay. I just don't know how we're going to afford Barton next year. Well, so what's, yeah. what's, we'll see. 
what's really what's really interesting there though in the comment okay so if barton's part of this young gore and and is one of the guys we're going to stay um is he also said that that gallo is their top priority in the off season right uh which is which is that i don't because you have wancho as well so it's hard to figure out how that all works if if, if you're gonna have barton wancho and gallo um I mean, I guess that's that's your forward rotation along with Fareed. Yep. Maybe you can make and it, it work, means, but it, it just means seems, that you've got to. It seems like you're yeah, not going to be able to invest it. that kind of money in all that in both those guys. I don't think you can, and I I really I have always said that I thought that two of the three guys had to go, that two of Barton and Chandler and Gallo had to go, and that we were going to re-sign Gallo this summer. Right. So if we re-sign Gallo, I would expect to trade both Barton and Chandler with one year left on their contracts. Um, and because otherwise you don't have any way to upgrade the forward rotation, you can't. You really need a forward defender, and you we don't we don't have one. And I know Wilson is it, um, but Wilson's so much more of a it's jack of all weak. trades. He's not really a he's not a lockdown defender in any sense anymore. His hips, the hips seem to have taken that away from him if he had it before. No, yeah, you need, and I think you need a guy at the forward position. If they're that's the position you're going to upgrade, I think they're pretty much locked in into their backcourt. You're right. going to see how things are going to go with Emmanuel Moutier, but I think you're you're pretty much saying we're going to go with Moutier, Harris, uh, Murray. We'll figure out what, what, what's going to happen with Jameer Nelson, but we could if he plays next season, fine, whatever. Um, I think you're locked in there. It's your forwards where you're looking at. Okay, here's where we can upgrade. Um, somewhere, probably if they're if they're if they truly are making Gallo their top priority to resign, uh, then they're probably looking at upgrading that power forward spot. Yep. Uh, or they're gonna put shift Gallo into a stretch four position and, and bring in a guy to be um, upgrade the small forward position defensively. Uh, so you, but I think you got to be able to find a guy who is like a Paul Millsap, uh, who is like an Otto Porter Jr. or maybe at at, at least. Uh, a Joe Ingles, um, but somebody who is a clearly starting caliber player in the NBA um, who's going to slide into that spot. And I think if you're doing that, then then you're if you're keeping Gallo uh, and you're then you're also having Wancho. Well, then there you go. That's pretty much it because you also got Fareed. There it is. The, the, those are your forwards. And so yeah, you're right. There's really no position for um, Will Barton. Or, or certainly not Wilson Chandler, and I think Wilson Chandler is, is certainly the guy that they're gonna they're gonna move on from. I could see Will Barton them keeping and holding on to him till the trade deadline, um, and then trying to get something for him. Then, uh, dude, it really depends. They can't go through another three months of not having enough playing time for all these people who have to play. Like, you've got to consolidate sure. somehow. Uh, they they cannot it's true. go and back you've got at another this. lottery pick. Yeah, yeah. When they have another lottery pick, um. I, uh, my choice for that's still Ananobi. So if if he's the guy that they picked, then he's not going to start the year. <laughs> yeah. He's not. That's not going to be. You know, he won't be healthy. Right. But even if he even if he right. was healthy, if there's somebody they picked that can play, you may need to figure out what you're going to do. Um, hopefully, they have a D league team because we have two more D league slots this year because they're changing the. It's not a 15 man yeah, roster can... anymore. So because that's Wouldn't changing. Don't you think though? Yeah. I want to touch on that real quick, uh, the, the, the D-League team thing. Don't you think if, if they were going to have a D-League team to start the year next year, we would have heard about it by now? No, because they like to spring that stuff on us. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's something That's something I expect to hear about in September or October. Yeah, but yeah. all the other teams, all the a bunch of teams have a, are adding D-League teams next season, and they've already announced it. Yeah, you know, but a lot of them remember, announced it back remember, at the All-Star. Do you remember like, when, at the draft when they decided to tell us they were upgrading the locker rooms? 
or that they were putting yeah. in a holographic system. I, at the draft, I expect to hear that we got a D-League team. It'll start in, in like, you know, November. It's going to be based out of, like, Longmont or Colorado Springs or Boulder or something. You know, that's... Yeah, that's well, you could go. go. You could go. I think either Colorado Springs, Boulder, or Loveland, one of the three places that has yeah. an arena... Um, already in place would be would, at this point would be what you'd have to do because I don't there's there, obviously you're not building an arena right right no um, but you're gonna work out time with those guys you, there's there's arenas it. around you could get time in you know you have to work out some other things I expect to hear about a jersey update perhaps at at um draft day two that they, the Nuggets, that would be nice but I the Nuggets just dropped oh, it. they dropped yeah but they dropped that stuff on us like that's that's how that goes they don't like to um, announce that they're looking for things they don't like to announce that things are in progress they just want to tell you when it's done and they don't want to talk about it beforehand that's very true that's very true in fact and and nobody's reporting on the brand new parking garage either I mean hey that was, that was <laughs> a big big time development right <laughs> down at the Pepsi Center all right I'll tell you what that's uh, I think we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there that was a um, that was a really good long podcast, really interesting discussion. Um, as always, uh, you guys want to check us out on Twitter. I am at Zach Mikosh. Uh, Ryan is at Ryan Blackburn nine. He's available to podcast for anybody who's, uh, and also write for you. Get a hold of Ryan. Always. Um, He'll do work. He's not, he, he doesn't have to pass finals. He just has to do work. Just, you know, sign that guy up. D's get degrees, sir. That's it. D's get degrees. Uh, Gordon is at G money nugs. Uh, also you can follow us at Denver Stiffs. We're on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com. Uh, even though it's the off season, we we still got all kinds of stuff going on as far as like free agent profiles, um, draft profiles. Yeah, we'll be we know, there. All we summer. know Mike Olson's always good for for a nice feature every Thursday. So, a lot oh, yeah. lots of content for you guys to check out. Um, all right, guys. Well, Gordon Ryan, man, appreciate you guys having on. You got it. Appreciate being it, man. on. Thank you, man. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.